Welcome to 15 Minutes on the Way, Season 6, The Good, the Bad, and the Foolish. If you're a first-time listener, you really owe it to yourself to start at the beginning. You can easily find Episode 1 of Season 1 at 15minutesontheway.com. Don't spell out the number. Otherwise, brace yourself for a conversation with God's voice telling His side of your story. We won't go over all of it all over again, but our last episode concentrated in part on Solomon's appetite for women. So keep your eyes wide open as Solomon reaps what he has sown in his marriage beds and is led astray to worship other gods beside me by his very persuasive wives. 1 Kings 11 lays it all out in quick, efficient, tragic detail. Household shrines to the imposter gods simply won't do for the wives of so great a king so he builds places for public worship of their gods on the nearest available bare hills, which are referred to as high places, with the thought of getting as physically close to their target gods as possible. I, of course, am enthroned, enshrined, and entempled on the highest place in the region but now the high places of other gods can be seen from atop my mount. I am no longer the only god on Solomon's menu. And I've warned him about this. Boy, have I warned him. Now what do I do? Ignore it all? What does a child learn if you never follow through with the consequences you've promised? They learn that neither your word nor their behavior matter very much. Well, my word and the behavior of every one of my children, and in particular their king, matter very much indeed. Thus, in letting his proclivities make his decisions for him instead of his wisdom and his faith in me, Solomon lets all the good that I am and have promised slip through his fingers. In exchange for what? Politics? Pleasure? Power? This, when I am the source of the peace, delight, and strength he thinks he's amassing for himself. You see, in the end... Your compromise with the darker forces of your habitat all boiled down to faith, or lack thereof. Solomon knew my promises about the kingdom and land, but didn't have the faith that I would take care of it all myself, and so decided to help us by making political alliance through marriage. And then there's his lack of faith that even a good handful of wives from among the daughters of Israel would be enough to make him happy. In the same way, if you say you have faith in me, but deep down don't feel like we can really take care of and provide for you, meet your needs, and give you a life of joy, then you will hear the whisper of other gods through the voices of your friends or even of a lover or spouse, if you really have gone Solomon's way, 
and choose to add any number of actions in your life in order to hedge your bets and make sure all your departments are covered. Actions that are not on the way, that have the potential to lure you off. You know what I am talking about. The remedy is to recognize those idols for what they are, and forsake them in favor of trusting in me. Don't be a Solomon. His duplicity impacts not just his own sprawling household, but the entire nation. Your actions may not impact an entire nation, but don't fool yourself into thinking they don't impact others around you. They ripple through every important relationship you've got, friend. Solomon compromises so much and synthesizes us so far into pagan practices that many come to believe that I am in fact married to Ashtoreth. No kidding. Look in 1 Kings 11, 5 and 33. Pocket idols of Ashtoreth found by archaeologists in your habitat near Arad have the wife of Yahweh inscribed on them. Arad is Solomon's southeastern border post. He so fears attack from that direction that, in order to keep his best warriors there at all times and not have to return to Jerusalem for temple festivals, another indicator of the growing weakness of Solomon's faith, he builds a mini-temple in the fort there, another significant breach of protocol once we have placed our exclusive presence solely in Jerusalem. As a substitute for my ark, a great stone is placed in Arad's holy place to represent me. So complete is Solomon's heresy that a lesser stone is placed beside it to represent my wife. Clearly, stepping off the way can lead to places you never imagined you could possibly get to. Stick with me, my friend. I've got your back. The others may seem to have something for you, but in the end they will betray you. And as Solomon has chosen to play politics rather than trust me to establish his kingdom, and as he has chosen to betray me rather than deny his wives his worship of their gods, he has thus also chosen the promised consequences to that betrayal. Do you see the progression here where crossing my boundaries in what seems to be a lesser matter leads to eventual much greater harm? I inform Solomon that I must remove the kingdom from him and give it to another. However, for the sake of my love for Solomon's father David, I will wait until Solomon has died before taking it from his hand. And even then, and still because of David, and to move the Abraplan along in its course to rescue all humanity, I will leave Solomon's son a small kingdom built on a single tribe over which to rule. 1 Kings 11, 9 through 13. And with all those wives and concubines, you can bet that Solomon has a long list of sons from which to choose his successor. Why, if only half the members of his harem conceived just one child with him, he'd have five hundred kids. Surprisingly, the record is silent. The owner's manual gives no hint of how many children Solomon has with any of his foreign wives but for one. 
Tom actually makes no mention of Solomon ever marrying any of the daughters of Israel, so his only choice for an heir must come from a marriage to a woman outside my covenant and ways. It comes as no surprise, then, that the son Solomon chooses to rule after him is born by one of his princess brides, Naamah the Ammonite. And so even before his first day in office, King Rehoboam brings to the table his upbringing in a double god household, with his father's loyalty resting with me, mostly, and his mother's loyalty belonging to the god worshipped by her Ammonite kinsfolk, Molech. We are in 1 Kings 11.6 at this point. Thus, the boy's coming in with this major theological handicap that is totally his father's fault. Had Solomon limited his marrying field to women who trusted solely in me, or at least chosen a son born by one, then perhaps things would have ended differently. Of course, that would have brought no guarantee. The fact that both of Solomon's parents hailed from Israel didn't prevent him from ending up worshipping a varied menu of his wives' gods. Rehoboam gets off to a rocky start immediately, though it seems that he should be stepping into a season of wine and roses at the start of his regal career. Solomon's been ruling in glory and abundance, building my house, building his own palace, building new cities for storage and defense, beefing up the ramparts of Jerusalem. His success and wisdom are famous. He's been entertaining heads of state and wowing them with his wisdom. However, while Solomon's been holding state dinners, the people have been working their behinds off doing all that building. We mentioned this a little while ago, because this moment at the beginning of Rehoboam's reign is a critical pivot point in which all this ambitious labor plays a crucial role. Frankly, no more expansion is necessary. In fact, Solomon's gone too far. What began as a partnership with us, in which he gave me the credit for his accomplishments and blessings, has mushroomed in his pride, greed, and arrogance to showing off to the world just how great he is and how he has more of anything you'd care to name than every other ruler alive. And so there's drama ahead for certain in the life of Rehoboam, but we'll end this week's episode with a reminder to mind the small matters, friend. As we can see what can be called smaller compromises by Solomon snowball into significant betrayal over the course of his reign even though it's quite certain he never saw a snowball in his life. Walk with me in integrity in the small things, and the weightier matters will come as a matter of course, as we walk together on the way. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to support what we do, give us a review on iTunes or Facebook, then share this podcast with your friends. There's a link to the very first episode right under today's podcast on our website, 15minutesontheway.com. 
We hope today's podcast has reminded you that you, friend, are part of an epic story that is still unfolding today. So keep walking on the way. And until next time, be good to yourself.